during your high school graduation party when people came up to you and said, you should enjoy high school because it's the best time of your life, or you should enjoy college because it's the best time of your life. I feel sorry for that person because it means they peaked. The, the truth is, is that the more we learn how to cope with the difficulties of life, the more freedom we have in approaching those difficulties creatively and with different kinds of solutions. And we do have more choices in the way that we're going to play. I think that that playfulness indicates to our children that there is so much joy no matter what stage of life we're in. If God has called you to be a parent, then he has called you to something amazing and terrifying and messy and stressful and isolating. But I am here to tell you that you are not alone. I'm Summer Shepherd, and this is No Seriously, How Do I Do This? Walking through my house can be a little overwhelming sometimes, if I'm being honest, because there's just so much stuff. But most of that stuff is toys. And so I... As a discipline, I am trying to let some of the angst of the clutter go because the mess represents fun for my family. It represents my kids engaging with the world. It, it represents them using their imaginations. And I'm sitting here right now. There's there's a Mr. Potato Head with a little Elvis pompadour thing going on. There's beanie babies. There's dolls and Barbies. Now they're all over the floor, which is not great. There's a big thing of chalk. There's books. There's, there's puppets and puzzles. And I've got to tell you, it makes my heart so happy to see this mess. Sometimes. Sometimes it makes me want to, you know, fly through the roof. But there is something so beautiful about the way that children play. And I got to tell you, I'm a little jealous. <laughs> Who am I kidding? I'm a lot of jealous. If you were to ask my husband and I, and uh, we were in the mood to be honest, we would say that, yeah, we had kids as an excuse to play, as an excuse to get the toys we wanted to play with, to watch the movies and the cartoons we wanted to watch without feeling like total weirdos. Man, having kids, is it's really convenient for that, for sure. But there's something about playing that you never fully grow out of. And yet we try, don't we? I mean, when is the last time you truly let go? You let yourself play and you didn't care what anybody thought. You did it for you. It wasn't an item on your to-do list. Nothing like that. You just let go and played. And play, I believe, can look different for different people. I mean, for sure. But there is such value in being playful. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. The, the importance of embracing play as an adult. And so I am so excited to once again welcome back to the show the one and only Dr. Melissa Mork. She has gone on this journey with us several times now. She has beautiful insights as a family counselor, as the chair of the psychology and criminal justice department at the University of Northwestern St. Paul. She is an author. She's a stand-up comedian, so she knows a little thing or two about playfulness, and she's just all around amazing. So, Melissa, I recently read something that left me feeling super affirmed. I, I finished reading a book that encouraged adults to play, like just real play, no agenda, not as an item on the to-do list. And I felt affirmed because I had just gotten off my kid's swing set when, <laughs> when I read that. And I'm like, oh, look, I'm not a weirdo. I'm engaging in you know, self-care. 
But what I'm curious about, Melissa, is why is it so important? Like, why does it matter that people play? Oh, there's so many reasons that play is important. And we're talking adults, right? Because, I mean, as an aside, it is critically important for children. It's children's work. It's what they do to figure out the world and to create scripts and problem solve and learn how to get along with one another and all of these different things that are so critically important in their development. So that's what play does for them. But we're focusing on play in adulthood, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes. So play in adulthood is so important. Well, first of all, it, (laughs) I don't even know where to start. Okay. What happens with play is that it creates opportunity to set ourselves aside. It set, it provides a, a freedom and um, to be creative. It provides opportunity to connect with other people with levity. It allows us to kind of shift our cognitive sets. In other words, you might be thinking about a problem and you can't, you ruminate over it and you can't seem to resolve it. And then you do something playful and suddenly you get a new idea. You have an epiphany, you have a stroke of insight. Play is also important in relationships, especially romantic relationships and intimate relationships. I mean, can you imagine, and I don't want to get too graphic, but play is so important in the bedroom as a way of, you know, reducing threat and increasing intimacy. But even in in our relationships with our kids and with our friends and with our partners, playfulness is a way of communicating joy, communicating affection, communicating appreciation. It's a way when we're playful with the people around us, we're communicating a a safety for them to be playful as well. I mean, there are just so many values to it. And I'm only scratching the surface here, but definitely there is great value in play for adults. Now, what does that look like for adults? Because I don't know if we're all on the same page when we even think of playfulness and playing, mm-hmm. what might constitute play? Well, swinging on your kid's swing set is a great start, but it, we play might be athletics. We might have structured play, just like children do structured play in playing volleyball with your friends or going out and playing softball with buddies after work. But um, so athletics is a form of play. More Freeform play, though, might be um, dancing in your kitchen while you're cooking, or it might be uh, singing at the top of your lungs a silly song. Uh, When my students this last December graduated without the pomp and circumstance of a commencement ceremony, uh, I, I sent them each a little video of me singing happy graduation to you. I mean, even that can be, it was playful. I think play can be, um, Doing things that are childlike, but some of us are, um, we have some impulse control that that causes us to resist that. But then there, we can play through board games, video games, um, gently teasing one another, uh, going out for a hard run. Did you ever see uh, Friends where Phoebe would, she would go for a run and she would pretend that Satan was chasing her? What? Uh, no. So there are all of these different ways of playing and it really comes down to personal disposition and temperament and what feels playful to the person. So it's really subjective and unique to the individual. So while you're talking, I I went to dictionary.com and I find this interesting. So it says to engage in an activity for enjoyment, 
and recreation rather than a serious or practical purpose. So does that mean, Melissa, that for one person playing, you know, might be sledding downhill, but for another person, it might be coloring or reading a book? Sure. Absolutely. Because the whole point is that it isn't purposeful towards an agenda or a goal. It's just, it's for pure enjoyment. And it's really playfulness in adulthood is, I think it's, it's designed for us to find a mini Sabbath in our day, a, a little reprieve from the stress and tensions of our normal life and routine. Playfulness is, is moments of rest and levity to give us a reprieve. So that might be manifested through um, reading or coloring, or it might be rolling down a hill. How important is it for others to see us play? Like, if we're not comfortable with this, can we just like, you know, play in private or when it comes to our (laughs) kids, is it important for them to witness this or are they going to take us less seriously if we're having fun? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, when I'm dancing with abandon in my kitchen while I'm cooking, I really don't want anyone watching me, but if my kids catch it, I have two kids. Um, and if they see me dancing with abandon in the kitchen, for me, it feels like I've just given them permission to do the same, to, to let themselves go, to be free in their own, uh, in their own presence and in their own bodies. You know, um, I think it is important for us to model playful behavior, especially to our kids to other people, you know, I don't care if my neighbors see me play or not, but I want my kids to see me being playful and, um, and free with my sense of humor. And, um, because I think that they need to see that this isn't adulthood, isn't, it isn't all hardship and pain. In fact, I try to communicate to my kids that life continues to get better as we get older. It becomes more fun as we get older because we have more choices as we get older, but also not just choices in how we behave, but how we approach and how we cope with life and that uh, we don't have to take it all so seriously. I mean, that's the reason I study the the value of of humor in life is because it, it doesn't have to be so serious. So yes, in answer to your question, I think it's critically important that we model playfulness for our kids and that we include them in our play and let them include us in theirs as well. I think that is so interesting what you said that we show them that life gets more fun because I don't think that's something that a lot of us see or embrace. I think that we kind of look at growing older and adulthood is drudgery. It's that time Mm -hmm. where we look back and wish for those days when we could play as children. And we don't, we don't think of adulthood as very fun. I tell my students during your high school graduation party, when people came up to you and said, you should enjoy high school because it's the best time of your life, or you should enjoy college because it's the best time of your life. I feel sorry for that person because it means they peaked in high school or in college. And that's a sad state of affairs, isn't it? That the the truth is, is that the more we learn how to cope with the difficulties of life, the more freedom we have in approaching those difficulties creatively and with different kinds of solutions. And we do have more choices in the way that we're going to play and enjoy ourselves. And so, yes, I think that that playfulness indicates to our children that there is There is so much joy, no matter what stage of life we're in. I think there's just this barrier for so many of us, though. Like what you're saying, it makes total sense. But, you know, I think of of men I know who have a hard time being honest with their emotions because they were taught that, you know, real men don't cry. Mm -hmm. 
or, or laugh. Right. Or, or just have joy, you know, because it's a sign of weakness. Right. And adults having a hard time playing because, you know, maybe they were told it was childish or undignified. How can we break that way of thinking? I think first of all, we have to break our way, uh, break away from our way of thinking about play. I mean, I think that we we might think play if if we're defining it as sledding down a hill or sitting on a swing or jumping on a pogo stick. Well, then yeah, maybe it would be hard to shift into that form of play. But if we allow ourselves a broader definition of play, like you said, if if play is going out and doing some. Uh, playing some sports with buddies, or if it is, you know, racing your bike as hard as you can, um, testing your limits physically. Um, if we can broaden our definition of play, it may allow us to be more playful in our own lives. I want to talk a little bit, if it's okay, about the value of play in relationships, especially marital relationships. There is so much value and marriage researchers have talked about this, um, the importance of playfulness within relationships. If, for example, and I'm going to turn it around to the wives for a second. If your husband walks into the room and he is being playful, it is so important for you to respond to those playful prompts. That is what actually builds the relationship. It enhances the relationship. It actually sustains the relationship. If he comes up and swats you on the butt and smiles and winks, you have three choices. You can ignore it. You could swat him away and say, I'm busy, or you can smile at him and wink back. Ignoring the prompt, just pretending like it didn't happen is hurtful to the relationship. Turning him away is hurtful to the relationship, but smiling and winking back or having some sort of positive reception to his playful prompt furthers that relationship, creates intimacy, and is actually incredibly healthy in preventing conflict in the future, preventing difficulties in the future. Uh, There's actually a a ratio of one conflict can be endured if there are five playful or positive prompts and responses to those prompts. Does that make sense? So when, when a husband is being playful in a relationship, it's so important for the wife to respond playfully and vice versa. Um, but these are just, they're, they're initiations to play within the uh, relationship that can be critically valuable to the sustaining the relationship. You know, I think of my kids a lot in this because they are <laughs> four and six. And so that imaginary world, that playful space, that is where they live right now. And I yes. work from home. And so they see mommy every day and they want to play. And it often comes at very inconvenient (laughs) times. And so when I have to tell them no, I mean, that hurts my heart. So how, how do you go about protecting that safe, playful environment, but also manage your priorities? Yes, I think that's a really great question. And I'm not sure I have an answer to that. And I'd be curious to find out how you resolve that, actually, Summer. How do you... How do you resolve that? <laughs> How dare you throw that back at me? I mean, that is like that is like a Christ treatment of a question, right? You answer a question with a question. <laughs> well, I don't know that I do it well. And that's where I, I, you know, I feel kind of that burden is, you know, I'll often promise to play with them later. And on my really good days, I will. And and that's one thing I want is I, I always make sure that they understand how honored I feel that they want to play with me. 
that it's yeah. not like, oh gosh, I'm too, too busy, but I express my remorse. You know, girls, mm-hmm. I, I'm so sorry. I, I, I love how playful you are and I want to play with you right now. I do have, you know, a call I have to be on or I have to record this show, but I'll tell you what, let's play with that a little bit later tonight. And, you know, it hurts mm-hmm. my heart and it grieves me those times I realize, oh man, I forgot to make good on that promise. But I can see it, at least in that moment that that allows them hope. I don't ever want to kill their spirit and quench mm-hmm. that thirst for playfulness with me. And I wish I could drop everything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just can't. But I, I, right. I agree with you, the importance of play. Now, here's where I feel like I find the rub. Every definition I've read about play, it's, it's play without agenda. It's not, you know, something on your to-do list. It's just freedom. But is there value in scheduling time for play or does that take the play yeah. out of it? Yeah, no, exactly. And when you were talking, I was thinking about the, in improv, the yes and mm-hmm. theory that uh, when you're doing improv with somebody else, they come up with an idea or they say something or do something and you can't shoot it down. You have to say yes and, and then contribute more. When your kids are asking, mommy, can you play? Perhaps your response can be yes. And when the timer goes off, I am going to be the dinosaur. And then, so they know that it's going to happen. You're going to be good, make good on that promise. Uh, And there's anticipation for it. So you haven't said no, you haven't shut them down. They don't walk away feeling rejected or less than the phone call or the podcast that you're recording. But your response is, yep, I'm going to play with you. When the big hand hits the 12, you know what I mean? So um, scheduling play is is a brilliant, brilliant strategy and necessary. And I would challenge all of the listeners to not only schedule it with your kids, but schedule it with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that is is valuable. And as long as it doesn't, I mean, because that was the thing is I'm like, well, it says that it has to be, you know, ad hoc and it's not an agenda. Either. <laughs> but I suppose, you know, I'm not saying... I'm not being too structured necessarily with what I'm going to hold myself to, but making that time, making it a priority, like we'd make priorities for anything else, I'd imagine. Yes, absolutely. So, but let's say that that's still out of my comfort zone. Okay. Playing for the sake of play, that's just weird to me. What is one (laughs) step I can take to maybe, I don't know, shake it out, loosen up a bit? I... This is going to surprise you, but I actually was never very good at playing with my kids when they were little. My husband was, he was the jolly clown in the family and I would do all the housework while he played with the kids. And it was because I didn't know how. I didn't know how to play. Uh, I was resistant to it and um, it was outside my comfort zone. So with my kids, I finally realized I didn't actually have to be the creative one. I just had to follow their lead. And once I realized that it was much easier for me. But as an adult, one step we can take to loosen up is to see what other people do for play. How do other people, how do other adults play? And it might be on the job. You might notice that there's one person who's particularly playful at work, or you might notice somebody at church who just seems to really have a zest for life and you you can model yourself after them if that's a form of play that's consistent with your temperament. If the point of play is to to provide some light and levity and reprieve from the stresses of life, 
then look back at what you've done before. What, how have you played in the past? When you were a kid, what would you do that was playful and you found enjoyable? And can you do more of that? So you don't have to be creative and do something that's so outside your comfort zone. Do something that is actually really consistent with your comfort zone that's going to feel playful to you. So what if I am all for that? Like, oh man, I did this makes sense to me. I, I want to go play. But my spouse isn't. Like they don't get it at all. And I don't know how to convince them that it's important that I'm not being foolish. And I really don't want them mm -hmm. to lose respect for me. What do mm -hmm. I do? Well, that's a great boundary though, to just, you know, they don't have to endorse what you're doing, but they do have to provide you the freedom and space to do it. You know, just my husband owned, he owned stock in the Green Bay Packers. I never understood it, didn't get it, but I understood his love that he loved it. And so I embraced that. And I think that's what we want from our spouses is not if you, you don't have to participate, but at least provide the space uh, and permission to, to do the things that I love to do. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, what would you say to someone whose spouse wants to involve them in their play? Like maybe, you know, your husband really wanted to take you to a a Packers game. Now you didn't have any interest in that personally. Is there value to, to going along with it anyway? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think there is, this is, this is how we step into the other person's, uh, life in the, in the most important parts, you know, you want to be partners in, in faith and you want to be partners in, um, life and and in play of course he would drag me to family fun days at Lambeau Field and I had to really uh I had to tuck my book in my purse and not pull it out during the day because uh just football was not my thing but it was his thing and so I would go along and support and cheer I didn't watch every game but uh on the really important things I did I did participate with with pure joy actually and I think that that's the way that you love one another that's how we love one another is to step into one another's favorite form of play when we are able if we are able uh just as a way of uh affirming what brings them joy so Melissa you mm -hmm. believe in play and I do. you believe in Jesus yeah mm -hmm. do you think that Jesus played yes Absolutely, he did. Absolutely. Um, and you notice how quickly I responded to that question. He, well, he was a child. He was a human, normal child. He experienced all of the human experiences that we endure, but also he was a child. And children played in Israel in that first uh, century. They played all the all the games that children today might play when they're hanging around outside and they're being creative. But I also think that Jesus was a playful person because when I read about all of the people that followed him, and I mean, you know how hard it is to make a friend in general, and he made 12 like that, like so quickly. He must have had such a sweet, joyful, playful presence to appeal to all of these followers and these disciples, I believe that he played as a child and I believe that he was a playful adult. He definitely was humorous. He teased, he uh, cajoled, he um, told stories, parables that in the culture and time must have been hilarious. And so, yes, I can, I have to believe that Jesus was playful. I think that was such a, a paradigm shift for me because I, I came 
to faith in my 20s. I was a little bit older, but I mean, I was no stranger to church or to the messages of the Bible. And there's this, you know, there was always this holy reverence around God. And I think that that's healthy. I think there needs to be a healthy reverence. And sometimes, of course, you know, hallowed be thy name. Yes. Right. And sometimes it's too much like Jesus is my boyfriend kind of a mentality in the church today. But I think sometimes we can go the other direction and feel like we can't have that playfulness in church. But if we consider that David was a man after God's own heart and he danced with abandon in worship for the Lord and was judged for it. Right. And, and we consider, um, how much Jesus pointed to the children as an example to his followers. I think my favorite TV series, or it's, it's technically not on television, but the chosen I love it. And there's an episode in The Chosen. It's about the life of Christ. Highly recommend. That is just all about how he interacted with children. And it's speculative, Mm. but I like to think that it fits. And it just showed him as a carpenter making toys for kids and just having a heart for kids and knowing how to communicate to kids in a way that they would understand truth, which was in a playful manner. And so I think maybe even breaking down that view of God as being this staunch and severe dictator is maybe the mm-hmm. first step to embracing his call for joy and playfulness in our life. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. And because he did point to to the children as models of faith, I mean, children can't help but play you watch a kid who's bored and what are they going to do? They're going to start playing with whatever they can get their hands on, or they're going to start to daydream and imagine and do imaginative play when they can't actually do physical play. Children are inherently playful. And I think that there's playfulness in our faith. There's room for playfulness in our faith. Absolutely. Now you mentioned dancing in your kitchen, Melissa, what are, what are some of your other favorite ways to play? Okay. Um, well, I really like to prank people. Um, I really, I like to just be spontaneous and unplanned. So when you talked about sledding down a hill the other day, uh, I was with my son and uh, his friend and we were walking and there was a hill and I was like, okay, guys, watch. And I just laid down and literally rolled like a barrel down the hill and covered in snow, but uh, laughing hysterically. And he was mortified and I can't imagine what the friend thought, but I didn't care. I like to, my son and I, before COVID, we would go to the mall and um, would randomly, one would just disappear and the other one would have to, we we would be standing in the window of some store pretending to be a mannequin. Um, (laughs) I try very hard to be spontaneous, improvisational, creative, and silly. I, I want to be silly because I just find it hilarious. Well, and like you said, it's such a good example for our kids. Now, I'm, I'm very blessed because right now my kids are setting that playful tone, being the age yeah. that they are. They really are inviting us in. But finding those opportunities to give it back, like for uh, my daughter's birthday, I made her a puppet theater that goes in her doorway. And so, you know, they can can put on little shows for each other. Oh, and pro tip, if you want to go sledding with your kids, do penguin races. I mean, we just just go down without our sleds on our stomachs trying to see like, you know, who can go the furthest, whatever. And it's great exercise. Oh, so, okay. So where else? So you talked about in the mall with your son, where else have you found opportunities to just be goofy? And how do your kids handle that? 
I was at the grocery store with my daughter one day and I was dancing to the music that they were playing. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I was just dancing crazy. And I turned to her and I said, you know, there will come a day when you will be happy that your mother danced. And she said, no, I'm happy about that now. Isn't that a great compliment? That is so, that is so good. You know, I, I I took my girls on a coffee date this morning and uh, we just went to the local coffee shop. We had our nanny stay with the twins, just some special time. And it it was great because, you know, we sat there and we just played and I'm like, you know, there's probably people watching us, judging us so hard right now. I mean, we're like, they want to be cuddled like babies. And so I would cradle them in my arms and then I'd pretend to fall asleep. Like I'm going to drop them out of the chair and they start squealing. <laughs> like we probably just, we probably just drove people nuts. Right. We don't want to lose that with our kids. You know, and I agree with what you said. We are helping them preserve something. The more we mortify them into adolescence and their teenage years, you know, eventually they're going to appreciate that. Eventually they're going to do that with their own kids. But if we model for them suppression, then that is the legacy that we are passing down. And that's not a legacy I want for my kids. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And frankly, I think that if I am laughing, if I'm laughing the loudest in a room, there is no shame in that. I think that there is, uh, that actually becomes a source of pride for me because it's, it's like you said, it's setting a model for my children that uh, there's light and levity, even in the hardest of times. And even if people are looking at you cross-eyed, it's only because they wish they had your freedom because in their I think so. like, oh, I, w- I wish I was that confident to just be able to have fun. But, you know, we're, we're posturing so much as a society trying to prove something that we missed out on all the, the good things that God does have for us in this life, the joy that we can find in this messed up world. Oh, it just lights up so many ideas in my head and makes me just want to stop everything and go play with my kids, which I might because, you know, that's the joy from working from home. <laughs> Melissa, thank you so much for having this conversation with us and for just for always being such a great guest. Oh, thank you so much, Summer. I really appreciate it. This has always been it's always fun to talk with you. You ask such fun questions. <laughs> well, fun is what this episode is all about. And so as you listen, I hope that you found something, learned something that gave you the permission maybe you needed to let your hair down, to have fun, to be wild, to be free, to be creative, innovative, and just play. What was that for you? What what constitutes play for you? I'd actually love to hear from you on this because I'm always looking for new ideas. I want so badly to model for my kids someone who loves Jesus, who loves her husband, who loves her work and works hard at it, but someone who plays and makes that a priority. And so please, I'll take all your ideas. Summer at seriouslyhow.com. That is an email address that you can reach me at. You can join us on Facebook. Just search for No Seriously. How do I do this? At Facebook. And, uh, and follow along. And again, just remember the legacy that you leave doesn't need to be some serious stoic thing. Laughter, in my opinion, is the greatest legacy of all. Laughter and Jesus and coffee. Pretty much those are the three things we need to get through this life. 
But again, if you'd like to connect, go to seriouslyhow.com or find us on Facebook. And remember, as always, you are loved and you are not alone. Thank you.